Hello, I'm David Hughes from the Corporate Marketing Group at Worldwide Technology, welcoming you to the latest episode of WWT's Tech 17 podcast series. Our Tech 17 series brings together subject matter experts from WWT, our partners and customers to discuss important topics on today's IT landscape. Today, we'll be talking about cybersecurity. The list of security challenges companies face continue to grow. Massive shortages in the number of security professionals, dozens of independent point products with little or no integration, a suffocating volume of security events, and attacks that are more advanced than ever. It's why security automation is quickly becoming a best practice to improve detection and response in the SOC. Companies are adopting this emerging technology to address a wide range of use cases, including fraud detection and investigation, detection and response for ransomware, phishing and other infections, securing IoT, and even responding to insider threats. On today's episode, we have Chris Conrad, Cybersecurity Engagement Manager at Worldwide Technology, and C.P. Mori, Vice President of Products and Marketing at Phantom, to share their thoughts on the industry, automation, and how Worldwide Technology and Phantom are partnered to help companies address the growing list of security challenges. Chris and CP, welcome to WWT's Tech 17 podcast. Thanks, Dave. It's great to be here. Thanks, Dave. Yeah, absolutely. Chris, just kind of generally, uh, a couple of general questions. How many security vendors are there in the industry, and how many unique uh, products does a typical enterprise have? <laughs> That's a great question. It seems like we're just being overrun by different security uh, vendors and boutique organizations. I think at the last count at the 2016 RSA conference uh, back in San Francisco, uh, we heard reports that there were roughly uh, well over 500 different security uh, vendors that were there, and uh, which is astonishing. Um, and if you look at a, a typical organization or an enterprise, um, we're seeing that they have anywhere north of anywhere from 50 to 75 different unique security products. And the problem that we see with that is that there's just a lack of of communication or collaboration with those different security products. And they end up being siloed or, or not used to their, their full capabilities. Hmm. Yeah, that's, that's very interesting. Um, CP, um, so, so based on that, how would automation work with, with having so many various platforms? Well, it's not easy, uh, Dave, and that's, you know, we've been at this since, I guess, 2014. One key part of our architecture is something we call the Phantom App, and apps are basically Python-based connectors that allow you to connect to all the products that you want to automate. So today we're, we're close to about 100 different apps. What we found is that even though there are you know, let's call it 500 plus vendors in the security industry. I've seen reports even as high as uh, 1,400 worldwide. Um, there's there's a couple hundred that are very common, right? You see them in almost uh, every implementation. So what we've done with the Phantom Apps is taken um, what we call a community-based approach, which means that apps can be built by Phantom employees and, and very often are. In fact, about 80% of the apps that we have today 
were created by someone at Phantom. But with our community-based model, uh, a number of the apps are being built by people outside of Phantom as well. They're, they're Python-based modules. Uh, a lot of people uh, know Python from a coding perspective. So if there's an app that they need to support their infrastructure, it's not one of the you know, roughly 100 that we currently have, uh, they're able to create that, that Phantom app on their own and have integration with the product that they need. I see. Okay, great. Um, well, just kind of to back up, we, we, we've been talking about automation a bit. So just kind of for, um, uh, for both of you, why is, uh, why is automation such a hot topic right now? Yeah, great question, Dave. And, and I'll, I'll go first on that. And I'd certainly like to get CP's take on this as well. But when we go out and, and talk to our customers, what we see is probably the number one issue that customers are facing is just a, a shortage of, of skilled resources. Simply having a, a lack of staff to take care of a lot of the mundane tasks that they do every day. And what we're seeing in the industry and based on various reports and studies, that we're roughly a million people short in the security space and it's wide open. Uh, CP, what, what are your thoughts on that? No, that's a big part of the problem, right? Is even if uh, even if you have the rec uh, available to hire somebody, you often can't find uh, the person with the talent you need to fill the job. So this uh, this skill shortage is certainly one of the issues that that's driving the interest in automation. You know, I think beyond that, the things we hear from customers are I put them into two buckets, right? One of them is what I call efficiency gain, and that's the obvious one, right? You, you talk to customers every day who are saying, look, I had a, a manual process that, that I would run. It maybe was six or eight steps, let's say, and I did that every time I got a malware alert. And, you know, it took me 45 minutes, maybe an hour to run through those six steps. And I did the same six steps every single time, so it's perfect for a machine. It's perfect for automation. So they set up what we call a playbook, and going forward, that, that process, that six or whatever number of steps, runs in, in under a minute. So there's a huge efficiency gain there that, uh, that people obviously are attracted to as they're thinking about automation platforms. But another one that comes up that's um, maybe not as, as common uh, but still, I think, interesting is around consistency. And I love this because you, you hear particularly from larger accounts that maybe have audit requirements that, you know, They've got maybe new folks in the stock that don't um, that don't know the process, so they may, may they might make mistakes. You, you maybe have more experienced people in the stock who you know they'll have a gut feel and maybe they'll skip a few steps in the process, whatever the case may be. And then what happens is an auditor maybe comes in and they discover that, and you get an audit issue as a result of not following the process that you have in place. So. So it's not just efficiency gains, right? It's not just I can do 60 minutes worth of work in under a minute, but it's also in a lot of cases I've got a process and I can, with almost 100% certainty, show that I'm following it exactly like I said I would every time I see a specific type of event. Thanks, CP. So just in terms of um, uh, staffing in this particular area, where, where do organizations typically not have enough staff? Well, what we have found is that they don't have enough staff in security operations centers or incident response teams. And uh, typically, so they can go out and do investigations, they can go proactively do hunting, containment, recovery, 
we're also seeing just not having enough staff to, to correlate data uh, between the systems. And if, if they don't have the staff, everything is done in, in a manual way, and, and they're missing a lot of things. And also, just having enough staff to utilizing the appropriate threat intelligent resources that they may have, may own. Simply just having not having enough staff to, to correlate all that information is um, that's a big gap. Okay, um, Chris, just to follow up on that. So, does a security practitioner have a set number of duties that they do need to perform on a regular basis? So they do, and as I mentioned at the at the top of the podcast here, there there is no shortage of of what we we'll call mundane activity consuming time across security programs and operations teams. They have just a laundry list of tasks that they need to perform every day. And, uh, you know, again, not having enough resources to get it leaves them vulnerable and has a lot of gaps. So in terms of, uh, again, speaking about um, automation again, what specific advantages does automation give to organizations? Well, Dave, I'll take this one. I mean, we, we kind of touched on it already. There's there's the efficiency gain that we talked about, the consistency that you get. Uh, Chris mentioned RSA. I was actually at um, not RSA earlier this year, and and there was a panel on automation, and there was there was a gentleman from the NSA who I thought really um, said it eloquently in my mind, and he said, you know, automation is really about taking the clerical load off of the analyst so that they can focus on analysis. And that, that kind of ties back to a point that Chris was just making, right? That a lot of this work is very mundane, um, which makes it not only very suitable to, to give to a machine, right, and to automate, but frankly, we even hear from people that it's a, it's a job satisfaction issue, right? So think about this. Even if you can recruit this, this unicorn into the organization and fill this opening that you have, um, if you put them into a role where they're, they're you know, they're dealing with, suspect phishing attacks all day, which is a very common use case for automation, you know, they get into a situation where they're, they don't feel like they're growing their career, they're not learning anything new, and you may see turnover, right, as they, they find an opportunity to go be a tier two or a tier three analyst, maybe somewhere else, and, and climb the, the career ladder. So automation, I think, can actually help with satisfaction as well, because you're clearing some of that, um, some of that mundane uh, clerical work off the desk and allowing these folks to to frankly focus on things that are more interesting. Okay, um, CP, just just a, a quick follow up on that. Then, so how much programming knowledge uh, do you need it to, uh, to have with uh, doing automation? Well, in our case, it helps to know Python, but it's it's not required. Um, actually, with what we call, what we call our uh, playbook editor, um, you can create uh, playbooks using what looks like um, Visio is probably a, a good analogy. So it's graphical based, you know, a playbook really is designed to follow a process so that flowchart or workflow based um, representation of it visually works very well to lay it out. Um, but then what our, our Phantom platform is doing is as you're dragging and dropping boxes and arrows and connectors and decision blocks around on the screen, it's automatically generating all the Python code for you. Um, so if you want to fine tune, you can do that, right? And there's there's a a, a base or a, a complete Python based playbook there to start with. 
Um, so even the techies really like that, right? Because it's a it's a great way to kind of lay a playbook out quickly, auto generate the Python code, and then and then you know go in and further tweak it if they they feel they want to or need to. And I think of it a lot, um, um, you know, in terms of like how I learned HTML, right? There's a um, there's an educational value here as well, which is you can kind of lay this thing out visually, and then you can look under the covers and actually see how the Python code's constructed. And I did, when I was learning HTML, I did similar things, right? You use like some of the blogging tools to, to give you sort of the WYSIWYG kind of format to, to maybe create an, an entry, but then you can switch to the HTML-based editor and actually see what some of the tags are. So we're finding that as well, that it's, it's uh, you know, not only does it not require Python or coding skills to use it, but um, many are using it to, to teach uh, coding skills um, you know, just just going off of the what I call the Python or the playbook editor, and then and then switching over and looking at the Python code that it auto generates. So that's an interesting use case as well. Not the primary, but but one that we're seeing. Hmm. Yeah, uh, that is really interesting, uh, CP. Um, so so Chris, just to shift to uh, worldwide to uh, worldwide technology, then so. What has WWT done inside of our Advanced Technology Center with Phantom? Yeah, that's a great question. And just to back up a half a step uh, regarding our, our ATC, as, as everybody knows it by, uh, our ATC, the whole mission around that is to create a collaborative ecosystem uh, so we can design, we can build, we can educate, we can demonstrate, and deploy innovative technologies like Phantom and integrate that into other architectural solutions for, for our customers, our partners, employees that we have around the globe. And inside of our ATC, I mean, we have a, it's a $125 million investment. We have over 250 racks currently in our ATC. And so we're able to take some of these leading uh, OEMs like a Phantom, and we can integrate it into different OEMs like Cisco or Tanium or Palo Alto Networks. And we can demonstrate this capability um, virtually uh, and or on site at our ATC. So it's uh, really a game changer for us and how we can demonstrate our capabilities with our customers. Okay, great. Um, so uh, CP, just uh, kind of following up on that. So what makes the worldwide technology and Phantom relationship unique? Well, I'll tell you what, what excites me about it is the investment that I see uh, WWT making um, in, in this emerging market for automation orchestration. I mean, Chris talked about the ATC investment, which, you know, in and of itself is huge, um, but, it, but it really doesn't stop there, right? I mean, WWT has already started to invest in in training so people understand the platform and options available. Um, and, you know, we're even kicking off a roadshow in January that will give people a chance to experience automation, you know, hands-on. It'll be a half-day lab where they can actually see the products, uh, you know, in the flesh, so to speak, create playbooks and run some automations right there as part of the class. So just this, this overall investment that WWT is making and the momentum that they're creating in this market, I think, is very exciting from our perspective. Okay, great. And, and maybe just to follow up on that, um, could could you tell us a little bit more about the work that uh, Joel King at WWT has been doing with Phantom? Oh yeah, absolutely. No, Joel's Joel is a great advocate 
not only for, for Phantom, but for, for automation in general. Um, I mentioned that we have this community-based approach, and, and what that means is, well, we touched on this to some degree already, the, the Python-based apps that I talked about, you know, many of those are being created by people in the community, and they're, they can be freely shared in the community as well, and we're, we're finding that, right, that customers and partners and, and other users will create apps and then share those back out so that other, others can use them. Similarly, the playbooks that I talked about, um, those are also Python-based and can be shared uh, in the community on, on our uh, GitHub repo. And, you know, Joel um, has contributed a number of playbooks and apps uh, into the community himself. And, in fact, we ran a contest um, earlier this year just to, to kind of uh, spawn the idea, right, get people excited about contributing. And uh, it started, I think, in January, and we wrapped it up at the beginning of June. And uh, Joel won our inaugural contest. He came in first, first place with his, uh, his playbook uh, and app uh, combos. So he actually wrote a, a Cisco Meraki and an F5 app. And uh, it was, it, they were great apps and a great playbook to go along with it. He did a wonderful job uh, with some of the video assets he created to show you know, how it worked and why it was valuable. Uh, presented on one of our tech sessions, uh, again, to, to share that with the community. And, we're running, uh, we're running a second, um, uh, second round of the contest that actually ends this Friday. Uh, and I hear Joel's working on another entry, so we'll, we'll, see, uh, we'll see how that goes. But uh, he's, been, uh, he's been just a, a, great, a great advocate of, of automation and a, a wonderful person to work with. Good. Well, it was certainly great to hear. Um, well, uh, I believe that wraps up this episode. Uh, this episode of Tech 17. Uh, I want to thank uh, again Chris and CP for providing their insight and expertise on this very critical uh, critical topic. So uh, Chris and CP, thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks Absolutely. for the opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. Enjoyed it. Thank you very much. And for our listeners, uh, thanks for joining us. And please listen to our other Tech 17 episodes on our Tech 17 podcast channel. And be sure to subscribe to our other podcast channel for WWT, which is Tech 37. Uh, please check in and please check in for more upcoming episodes. Thanks for joining us.